Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by National Roper Supply. NRS has been providing quality Western wear and horse tack since 1989, and they are proud to be the number one Western store in the USA. From functional and fashionable Western wear and horse tack to essential livestock and horse supplies, NRS carries the products you need at prices you can afford. NRS is a one-stop shop for all things Western. NRS also carries our new line of modern cowboy brand apparel, caps, t-shirts, and hoodies. And for our listeners, use your special discount code MODERNCOWBOY at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. And remember, Modern Cowboy is the brand for the cowboy in all of us. Today's episode is also brought to you by G-Site Solutions. G-Site Solutions is the number one dry fire laser training system. With the best variety of targets from tactical to game strategy, you download and activate the free app to your iPhone or Android. The Elms Plus laser cartridge is the only laser cartridge in the world with replaceable rubber strike pads. This allows you unlimited shots. You can work on your trigger press, your sight picture, your grip, your stance, and your breathing, all in the comfort of your own home while tracking how your accuracy improves. Look, repetition is the mother of skill. And as a former hunter education instructor and certified NRA pistol and range safety officer, I know the importance of consistent training to stay proficient and safe. G-Site Solutions Dry Fire Laser Training System does just that without going to the range and using up expensive ammunition. Head over to g-site.com and check out all their available products. And tell them Dan at the Modern Cowboy Podcast sent you. Where are you cowboys and cowgirls at? Hey everybody, this is Dan Hillenbrand and welcome to Modern Cowboy, the podcast for the cowboy lifestyles and businesses around the world. I'm glad you're here, so sit back in your saddle and prepare to be inspired, motivated, educated, and entertained as I interview a new guest each week that embodies the modern cowboy. Every Friday afternoon, I hitch up the trailer, saddle up old rock, and ice down a cooler, I drive that old back road until it ends. At the rope and We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs. Twenty thousand dollar horses, then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same, the minute we ride in to the rope and pin. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Today's kind of a, well, not kind of, it is. It's a special uh, episode because this is uh, our 200th episode of the Modern Cowboy Podcast. Started it back in uh, 2018, been going four years now. And I just thought at the time uh, when this episode was coming up, I thought, you know, who would be a great guest to have on the podcast? And it just came to me that, the first person I had on the podcast was Mitch Siegel. So I thought, you know what? It'd be great to have Mitch on and just catch up with Mitch. Uh, he was there at the beginning when I kicked this thing off. And I remember uh, getting ready to do that episode, you know, and, and these aren't live or anything, but there's a whole process you go through, particularly if you maybe aren't a, uh, you know, in quote unquote, I don't know if you call it show business or media or whatever, uh, there's a there's a big learning curve. So it's even though you're just recording, 
unless you've got the type of personality that you're just a great actor or a great speaker or whatever it may be, and you're real comfortable with it. I, I wasn't at all. And they got this thing called imposter syndrome where you get on and all of a sudden you start sounding different than you really are. And anyway, my point of that is I was super nervous at the time. And um, for for quite a while, actually doing the podcast. Now I'm not because I've been doing it so long and everybody that listens, they know <laughs> all the weird things about me. So, it, it you know, they nobody's got any ammunition. They know they know I'm goofy. So anyway, um, I say all that just to to welcome Mitch to the 200th episode. I'm so glad you were the first and I'm 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 really excited you're the 200th. So welcome back, Mitch. Hey, Dan, thank you for inviting me. Four years goes by really quickly. Man, it does, doesn't it? It really does. But, you know, when I did the first episode with you, I knew at that time, as I've known a lot about you, that it was going to be a success. And I knew that you would keep working on it until you got everything perfect. (laughs) (laughs) And you got better uh, people than me. <laughs> to, to interview yeah. on your show, but uh, I need to congratulate you. My gosh, two hundred episodes, and you've got big sponsors now. And I mean, yeah, I'm really proud of you. Well, I, I appreciate that, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting. I, it's like you say, four years goes by so fast, and um, you know, once I started doing it, it's just you know, it, I, I guess it, it's almost kind of addicting in a way. And and I've met so many people. I've met a lot of people from you, you know, that you've referred to me and have had on the podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it it's creating value for, for people. You know, sometimes I don't think it does. But I mean, just like yesterday, I've, I've got a, uh, another DM from a guy. He actually lives in Weatherford. And, and uh, he's um, he listened to the one episode that I had when I had my nurse practitioner, the guy that's one of my healthcare guys on and he has high blood pressure and he's got joint pain and he's a farrier and horse trainer and stuff. And he's close to my age. And he just, uh, you know, said, Hey man, he goes, I, I listened to the episode. I'd, I'd appreciate getting some more information, you know? And, and he said, he listens to all the episodes. So, you know, people do listen. I mean, we see the downloads, so we know, you know, we're, we're over, uh, over a quarter million complete full downloads. Um, there's a lot more where people, you know, listen to that part of them or whatever, but, uh, yeah, any, anyway, so, yeah, it's been it's been uh, it's it's been fun, uh, and um, you know I'm looking forward to to keeping it going. I don't I don't see it stopping anytime soon. So, but hey, you oh, know, we, made, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead, Mitch. You've made a tremendous success of this thing. I mean, for a guy that you know just was brand new into it, and uh, you know your persistence and of course your your great business skills have, have promoted it, and uh, it's just great. We're we listen to it all the time. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Well, and for people that maybe uh, haven't heard episode one, I'll just, we'll touch on it a little bit, how you and I met. I, I met Mitch in, I believe it was 93, um, and uh, we'll spare all the all the details, but uh, a very, very uh, challenging time in my life, and, and Mitch was there, and uh, and I know I told this before on the podcast, but uh, Mitch actually bought our place from us up in, in Lincoln, uh, and... Uh, California. And that's a hell of a story in of itself. But then he ended up buying a horse from me as well. Um, he, he was saving me, he was giving me a pocket change so I could, I could keep living. But uh, we were driving to Cottonwood to go look at that little horse. And, uh, and I'll never forget, man, I mean, because I was I was in a bad way, I was depressed. And, you know, you know, I, I mean, I had some challenges to go through and a lot of 
personal growth, but, and you said to me, you go, you go, you go, Dan, you're a smart guy. He goes, I, I, I would love to do something with you sometime in terms of business. And I'm sitting there going for the love of God, I'm, I'm here. I just, you know, lost <laughs> basically my home and, and a lot of other things. And, uh, and this guy's telling me I'm smart and would like to do something with these, but, but, you know, it made a huge impact on me and uh, it, it was a, a big lesson and um, something that, you know, I took with me moving forward in, in all my other adventures and, and things I've done so far. And, and we, and we've stayed connected for, you know, all those years. So it's very cool. As a matter of fact, I, we were just down there when, when was that Mitch, when we were uh, 2000, 2021. Yeah. It seems like it's some time ago. Steph, Steph and I were there. Remember you took yeah. us, to, you took us to dinner again at uh, Zeno's on the square in Weatherford, which is amazing. And, when we were there, uh, <laughs> um, I, and I, I think this is what happened. The, the chef wasn't there that, you, the, the, that is there all the time that cooks the tomahawk, tomahawk steaks. And he actually came in just to cook uh, your steaks. And, and I got one too. So <laughs> our steaks. But yeah. that happened, right? I mean. Yeah. You know, Dan. You're the only person that I've ever seen that could eat an entire tomahawk steak <laughs> by yeah. himself. We're still talking about that. <laughs> yeah, well, it was amazing. What was funny when Steph and I got to the restaurant before you guys did, and and uh, and then the, the even the gal at the, at the front, uh, the the check in or hostess or whatever, she goes, "Oh yeah, well the chef's not here tonight that does the tomahawk steaks." And I go, "Oh," and then um, but they knew you were coming. And then Seth and I are waiting out front and all of a sudden this guy comes walking up and he's got like a chef outfit on. I go, are you a chef? And he goes, he's yeah. I go, did they call you in just to, to do Mitch's steaks? He's like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it, it, well, cause they knew I had a famous celebrity coming in with me and they yeah. wanted to make sure the food was good. Oh yeah. 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 I saw that red carpet rolled out for me. Who are you? <laughs> but you know, we, well, we you know, were, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, Dan, a lot has changed uh, since the first episode. I know with you, I know you're more involved in several businesses now, and our cattle company has kind of changed its core business from, you know, primarily leasing cattle to now buying and uh, selling cattle. And, of course, we add value to them when we sell them. You know, we're still in the cattle leasing business, and we've kept some of our legacy clients, you know, as an accommodation to them because there's very few, if any, leasing companies left in the business that we're aware of. Really? Oh, yeah. When we were more active in the cattle leasing business, there was a multitude of smaller leasing guys or backyard individuals who decided to get into the cattle leasing business. Right. <laughs> and they soon learned that the cattle leasing business is not as simple as it appears on the surface. Definitely not for the faint of heart. And I thought I would share with you... Uh, some of the various experiences that we've had, just a couple of them, uh, that you might find interesting, if if nothing else. And and those experiences have kind of led us into getting into the new business, which we're involved in the movie business now. Which I don't think I'd shared that with you. No, well, we, you you mentioned it to me a couple of times, and and but but that's one of the things I want to talk about too, because you, I think you told me I don't know maybe it was a few months back, and. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm interested to hear about that as well. But so in terms of you know you're talking about uh, you know leasing cattle, you're talking about leasing rope and steers, and and you guys lease them for steer wrestling too, or 
or trip into or, or just for TV? Oh, no, no. We don't do any of that kind. I don't, I'm not going to get into the tripping subject, but no, we don't. We, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I'm a redneck, that's something I don't, we, we don't do that. And we don't lease, we don't lease for Charles Rodeo either. I mean, gotcha. that just kind of goes against our core principles. Gotcha. But let me share a couple of stories with you. So <laughs> I think you'll find this amusing. A guy pulls up to lease some cattle, and he's in a broken-down rig. I mean, it looks like it couldn't have gone across the street. And the guy was from a state that was 500 miles away from here. And I was kind of suspect. I didn't know how the, the you know the, the truck and trailer had actually made it that far. So the guy leases the cattle. We load him in the trailer, and you know he's got a a woman inside the car, which I assumed was his wife inside the truck. Right. And after the cattle are all loaded and everything, he says, "Hey, Mitch, uh, come over here. I want to show you something I've got." So I suspiciously walk over to his truck. You're not going to believe this. Brings out a kangaroo. <laughs> there was a, <laughs> there was a kangaroo in the back seat of this guy's truck. So I said to him, hey, dude, where'd you get the kangaroo? He said, oh, I bought it here in Texas. So I thought, <laughs> well, you know, the rig looked kind of shoddy, and the, the kangaroo was, you know, a strange thing to see in the backseat of, you know, somebody's truck. But I thought, oh, well, he's a nice enough kid, and I hope he makes it back to the 500-mile state where he lived. Right. The next day, we get a call from a woman who says, uh, I understand my husband uh, leased uh, some cattle from you. And I thought to myself, well, of course you understand it. You were in the in the truck. Right. Uh, well, <laughs> it wasn't the guy's wife. So in the, me- <laughs> in the meantime, she says, uh, well, I need to share something with you. My uh, husband sold your cattle. Oh, my gosh. So he had sold the cattle to a calf roper, and a uh, very well-known calf roper who bought it unsuspectingly. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and fortunately for us, the the woman, her father was a very well-known and respected cattle buyer over in that state. Right. And he got the cattle back for us, and he got them uh, returned to us. Oh, my gosh. And he even paid the guy, the poor guy that paid for the cattle, he even paid him just to clean up the mess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the that was one of the indicators to you that, that maybe maybe this isn't the business you, you want to be in anymore. It's turning to that. Uh, yeah, and kind of, and I'm sure that, uh, you know, uh, other people had similar experiences, and yeah. I'm sure that cured them of being in the, you know, the cattle leasing business. Right, yeah. So it was definitely uh, unique. And um, anyway, uh, that fellow, uh, and we're not going to mention names now to protect the innocent. Yes, but, and, uh, and guilty. And guilty. Uh, that fellow is currently incarcerated. Uh, the Texas Cattle Raisers Association, Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association, the, the sheriff's got him. And he's currently incarcerated, and he, believe it or not, he's paying restitution to us. <laughs> well, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I get like, you know, yeah. 50 cents every couple of months, and sometimes, yeah. you know, once a year. From, from, so him, that, do, from him doing laundry in the prison. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. So the next little situation, a guy shows up, and he leases 40 head of 
steers from us. Mm-hmm. Nice enough guy, signs a lease, he leaves, you know, and he leases the cattle when the lease comes back. You know, when the lease is over with and he comes back and he brings back 40 head of heifers. That's <laughs> 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 a true story. So my guy says, uh, hey, those aren't our cattle. And this guy is belligerent. And he absolutely insists that those are our cattle. He says, get Mitch out here. So I come out here and I talk to the guy and he says, don't you know your cattle? And I said, sir, if you really want to know the truth, I don't know my cattle, (laughs) but I do know my brand and that's not it. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, after some legal, uh, you know, encouragement, he brought back the, the rightful cattle. No kidding. He just, he just was going to, um, Exchange some heifers for your for the roping steers. Yeah, because the the roping steers were worth more money. Yeah, and he figured we were ignorant and and we didn't know the difference. Oh, <laughs> so all of that kind of stuff it was unique and it was fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it kind of led us into the uh, you know my idea to start making movies about cattle thieves, cattle rustlers, modern yeah. day though. Right. Yeah, that that's very interesting because one of the guys I had on the podcast, and I, I I can't remember his name right now, but he's one of the special Texas Rangers, uh, and you were the one that uh, connected me with him, and uh, it was very interesting when I had him on there, the, the things that they do, and and what a what a big business it is, and and the the millions of dollars that they that they uh, you know steal with some of these, some of these, this, this cattle theft stuff. And like you were talking about, they're selling stuff. These guys take these cattle and they're going to put them on a ranch and, you know, put the gain on them or whatever. And we're talking like large herds. And then they, uh, and these investors have money in them and then, but then they sell the cattle and like give the investors back a little bit of a return, but, but they're never planning on giving them their money back. It's just like a Ponzi scheme with cattle. Oh, that's exactly right. And and then uh, typically these guys will go to a bank and make a uh, a bank loan. Right. <laughs> so every now and then the bankers, and of course the bankers here aren't making cattle loans so much anymore as they used to in the old days. But right. So the banker says, okay, well, you know, uh, we want to kind of take a look at our cattle, see how our cattle are doing, you know, because we've got a loan to you and everything. Right. So, so these guys have one set of cattle. And in a pasture, they call it a trap here in Texas. Right. And the cattle rancher and the banker come out, and the banker looks at the cattle. He says, oh, those are really nice. In the interim period, (laughs) the thief takes the banker to lunch, shoots the breeze with him, you know, and has a nice lunch. In the the interim period, the thief has cowboys that move those cattle to the next pasture. Same cattle. (laughs) So... So they say, okay, well, let's go look at the next uh, the next trap, you know. And lo and behold, the banker's looking at the same cattle that he just looked at in the previous trap. Crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, And but it was really fascinating. We got into it in, in more depth, and, and you're right, there are Ponzi schemes that are going out there, and, and these guys are very clever, but uh, they're so clever that they continue doing the same thing over and over again, and, and one of the guys has been in jail twice for the same thing. Went to jail, spent time, they let him out, he went and did it again. And the other guy uh, that's going to be in our film, he did a a deal over on the East Coast with insurance, and then he he moved it over here, and he was a big-time cattleman in in our town. 
But anyway, all of that kind of led us into saying, you know, hey, I think we'll make a, you know, like a full length movie about an hour. Uh-huh. And uh, I got Mo Hedrick. You may recall he, uh, you interviewed him yeah, several yeah. years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he's a stunt man and a producer and right. an excellent and a great actor. As a matter of fact, he just was in a film with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio uh-huh. and Robert De Niro, and right. it's called the. Uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. Very cool. And yeah, and it's going to be shown at the Cannes Film Festival in France, and then it'll hit the movie uh, theaters about May the twenty third. And he he had a really good part in that. He played the sheriff. Uh-huh. So anyway, long story short, he is now writing a, a new script for us for a new film. And uh, you know, we hope to start you know auditioning actors in about six months from now. Very cool. Kind of something different. I, you know me, I'm always trying something new, and you know, hopefully, we'll make a good film and it'll be successful. Yeah, well, that's exciting. So, do you have you guys have a a, a title for it yet? Name for it? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, yeah. One possibility is to catch a thief. That's that's a good that's a good old film name. I'm I'm thinking modern cowboy myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not a cattle rustler. The last time I talked to you, I mean, surely you haven't evolved into that now. <laughs> oh, uh, when when can I audition for my part? <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, I'm going to talk to Wayne Goodman. He was the guy that, that you yes. interviewed on the yes, show. Yes, Wayne. Yeah. That dude, it was, he was something else, man. I mean, I, you know, he, he just, he looked the part and he was the part. And, uh, uh, it it was, it was just a great, great podcast. And I I can't remember, um, cause he was a detective for a lot of years too. Right. And then, yeah, he was a detective. And then when he retired, he decided to, he didn't want to be retired and he decided to be a, you know, Texas cattle ranger. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he just, he, he reminds you of, uh, I mean Chuck Norris. I mean he just looks like like a badass, but that was that was a super cool super cool interview. But anyway, so you yeah, think about having him in the in the in the movie? We're going to ask him. I don't yeah. know whether legally he can do that or not. I haven't had the opportunity to talk with him and I don't right. know whether, you know, it's would be damaging. So, but that would be my my idea to have him in the in the lead. Yeah. But like I said, I don't know whether he can do that legally or not, but you know, Weatherford is really becoming, instead of being the cutting horse capital of the world, it's now becoming an area that is really attracting a lot of actors and producers and even movie movie studios. Yeah, well, well, now that's the other thing that some listeners might not know uh, is that you have you have your own uh, old western town uh, on your ranch, which is super cool, uh, and. I mean, you've got everything there, including the sheriff's office, which you are the the sheriff of. But and, and you've shot some films and some movies there before uh, on your place, correct? We have. Uh, yeah. In fact, that's one of the ways that I I got to meet Mo. He made several films here, and uh, they were half hour films, and he won a whole bunch of awards for them. You know, right. kind of old western shoot 'em ups and. But I told him in this new film, I'm just kind of tired of violence. There's enough violence in the world. People don't, in my opinion, don't have to pay good money right, <laughs> to watch violence. And I, this is kind of a, I'm going to say semi-documentary, but we're going to have some funny stuff in it, which reminds me <laughs> about uh, a month ago or so, 
maybe it's been two months, we get a call from the local precinct barn. The precinct barn is like, you know, the, where the, the mayor of the little county lives and, right. and everybody operates out of. And he says, one of our prisoners got loose and uh, he's running through your ranch. Oh, God. <laughs> Dad, this is a true story. So... Meanwhile, everybody shows up with guns drawn. I mean, every neighborhood, every neighbor in the neighborhood had their rifles and their guns and their Polarises and, you know. Oh, <laughs> so gosh. My ranch manager comes over and he says, you know, they called and they said, there's a prisoner running through your, <laughs> love this story, prisoner running through your ranch. So uh, I run up towards my house, which is not far from, you know, where my office is. Right. And, um, I run over and tell my wife, hey, you know, there's a prisoner running loose here. Lock all the doors. Don't let him in, whatever you do. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we look up, and uh, there's like a little bridge that goes to our house. And by now, they've set up a command station. Law enforcement has set up a command station uh, <laughs> in our driveway. Yeah. When did this happen, anyway? Oh, maybe two months ago. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so... The, yeah, command. This is uh, God's truth. They set up a yeah. command station because you know not a lot happens in the way of crime in Parker County. Right. And one of the reasons there's not a lot of crime here is because these guys are very serious. They don't tolerate nonsense. Right. Hey, to, to diverse for uh, to diverse for just for one second. A friend of mine is is a cop, and he's chasing a guy down what they call, uh, it's the freeway, but here in Texas, often they call it the interstate. Right. And he catches the guy, and he cuffs the guy, and he puts him in the back seat of his car, and the guy says, where are we going? And uh, my friend says, we're going to Parker County. He said, oh, no, I don't want to go to Parker County. I want to go to Tarrant County, because Tarrant County, they're not as hard on crime as we are here in Parker County. Right. So my friend says to him, well, you should have committed your crime in Tarrant County. You're going to Parker County. <laughs> That's a true story. I don't want to go there. <laughs> I mean, he's a criminal. He yeah. doesn't have voted to where he's going to go. So anyway, back to the story of this guy. So mind you, now there's probably every law enforcement and DPS, which is uh, like the equivalent of the Highway Patrol in California. Right. They're right. here. And there must have been, I don't know, eight or ten uh, cars, police cars, and, and so on in my driveway, and they're, they're scattering them all out. And uh, then all of a sudden they look in our pond in our backyard. They call it tank here in Texas. But, you know, some people call it a lake or a pond. And this guy's prison uniform is floating around in the pond. Oh. It's like orange and white stripes. It was right. easy. Thing. <laughs> so they fish his, his uh, uniform out, his little... I call it pajamas, you know, because right. he was just wearing sandals in his pajamas, you know. <laughs> they fish it out, and I, I thought, well, what do they care? Uh, I learned later on. So then they sent up the uh, the drones to see right. if they can't find the guy. Right. And mind you, there are police officers and law enforcement scattered all over everywhere in every pasture, everybody's ranch. Yeah. <laughs> So they send up the drones, and they can't uh, they can't find the guy with the drones. <laughs> well, one of the reasons that they found the guy's prison uniform, uh, being the smart criminal he was, he assumed it was probably a city boy that if he took all of his clothes off and he ran naked through the 
through the brush and through our ranch that nobody would recognize him. (laughs) (laughs) True story. I'm not making this up. So when the drones can't find the guy, then they bring in the helicopter. And they land the helicopter on a ranch and get one of the DPS guys in there and they look around. In the meantime, the SWAT team shows up, and oh, those God. guys are scary looking. Right. I mean, they're, they're, like, very serious, and a lot of, like, bearded, ugly-looking human beings show up. <laughs> Not that being bearded is ugly, but, I mean, they look scruffy, you know, like undesirables. Well, they're, uh, they're the plainclothes guys. Right. The operators, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, in the meantime, my place is, you know, inundated with law enforcement, and we get a call one of the, the officers that was staked out about a mile from a ranch finds this guy running naked across the street. Oh. <laughs> so he pulls out his, his gun and says, drop, you know, and the guy was, you know, very cooperative. Now, mind you, it's a hot day in Texas. Oh, God. This guy <laughs> is laying on the hot asphalt, stark naked. <laughs> <laughs> so they were going to ask him, would you mind... Uh, Handcuffing yourself, we don't want to touch you. But they didn't because he was cut up from oh. head to foot with bruises and thorns, and every, including all of his private parts. I mean, he was <laughs> he was cut up from head to foot. Anyway, Crazy. they put him in the back of the car and <laughs> they took him to jail where he belonged. Now, yeah. mind you, he had just been in put in jail, I think, for some minor kind of crime, and he was actually a trustee. That's the, the way, oh, you know, the reason kid. he got away. Yeah. And he was so foolish that he decided to run off. Man. That's, Wait, uh, you, too bad you didn't get some of that footage for your movie. Uh, yeah, that, this is true. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like I, I was telling you, you know, this area has really gotten big into the movie business. You wouldn't think so. Uh you know, the guys that um, made uh, Yellowstone, yeah. they live here in 1883, and it's it's not uncommon to see them either in a restaurant or in your local uh, drugstore. Right. So it's yeah. pretty incredible. You know, my son-in-law, Stephen Rich, whom you interviewed oh, a couple, two, three years ago, Yeah. he was instrumental in bringing a lot of the movie business to, uh, to Weatherford, Texas. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he was instrumental in that. And uh, like I said, it continues to grow and grow. And uh, have you seen that, uh, that what they call a Reagan rally? No, I haven't. What is that? It's a, uh, a TV show. Actually, I've seen it on the Cowboy Channel. And uh, basically, they buck out uh, bareback horses. And they bring all the best guys around in the world. Uh-huh. Ride bareback horses, and it's done right here in Weatherford. No kidding i've I've never heard of, I've never heard of that. Yeah, Reagan Rally is what it's called. Yeah, I'll check that out. Pretty famous people, you know, the Steiner family that's been around rodeo for oh, yes. a million years. Yeah, yeah. Oh, are they part of that? Is that? Yeah. And the kid lives here. Uh, I think his name is Rocker Steiner. Yeah, Rocker. Cool yeah. Name. yeah, yeah. He lives here also, and he's been doing really quite well. Yeah, I, I, I've been following. I've actually been trying to get him on the podcast. I just uh, haven't haven't done it yet. But I'd really like. To, I would really like to get him get him on. Well, yeah, they got they've got quite a legacy. Yeah, tell different. me about it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, yeah. his dad, if you recall, back at the NFR 
was yes. a steer wrestler. Yep. And the year that he went to the NFR, he had his hair in, in cornrows or yep. whatever they call it. Yep. No, he, he he wore it a couple ways because I remember I remember watching that. And I remember Stephanie thought he was cute because he had long blonde hair. <laughs> yeah. Cool people. I like yeah. people that think out of the box and just you know are, are not afraid or not trying to create some image and you know they just enjoy what they do. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, hey, if you if you uh, have any connections down there. Uh, with with any of those guys or know anybody uh, hook me up help me get them on the podcast <laughs> uh, my my suggestion and i'll text you his number later would be to call Stephen rich okay all right i got his He's, number i got Stephen's number yeah absolutely yeah and uh you know he he knows a lot of those people and, and what have you very cool so you know i'm not roping anymore no i i know we we i we talked about that uh uh that that you weren't and you got back into um, pigeon racing. I don't know if you're still doing that or not. Are you or? Yeah. Yeah. I'm back into pigeon racing and it's become a really big sport. I mean, you wouldn't, it sounds kind of crazy, you know, but it's become a in fact that Chinese businessman paid a million four hundred thousand dollars for one pigeon. Are you kidding me? Pigeon's name was Armando. <laughs> oh, that's a God's truth. They're paying incredible amounts of money for these winning pigeons that they're importing here from, uh, Belgium and the Netherlands. Man, that is so, absolutely nuts. <laughs> it's like a poor man's race, uh, uh, you know, horse racing, but a lot of these guys aren't poor. Yeah, yeah. And they're very wealthy individuals. And they have what's called uh, one loft races, where you raise your pigeon and you send them to somebody right. that's having this race, and everybody else sends their pigeons to that somebody. And uh, that somebody trains the pigeons and, you know, so on and so forth. And then on race day, he liberates them. The first pigeon that comes back to his loft uh-huh. and win a lot of money. They had a race here for a million dollars. Man. So so now when you said, right when you said um, they send them their pigeons, I'm thinking that, oh, they're, they're just sending them and the pigeons are flying there. Uh, by themselves oh, no. <laughs> For, that's what i thought i go okay they're sending the pigeons to this guy and they're just gonna fly there so you know how, when those pigeons race how long is a race and how did you how do you train them you know uh i mean i i, I would just assume it's kind of like a homing thing you know they're gonna you know come back to wherever their nest is or whatever but uh is is that what you do to train them and how far is the race uh when they go what are some of the the specs of it well, you know, pigeons have, uh, instinctively are bred to home, uh, except for the ones that maybe go to Albertsons or Ralph's Market or right, you know the park or right, something. Right. Or, or downtown San Francisco. <laughs> or downtown San Francisco, yes, yeah, yeah, where the yeah. homeless feed them, you know. Yes. Uh, but they typically come back to your place, and the way that you train them is, number one, they, they know where they're born. They instinctively know where they're born, and then little by little – you acquaint them with the area where they live, and you let them out a little bit every day. And, and then as time goes on, they will start to fly around your pigeon loft, mm-hmm. loft is pigeon house. <laughs> and uh, then as they are flying well around the pigeon loft, and, you know, what they call it routing, when the pigeons go up and they, they fly around in big circles above your loft, then you start to take them out a little bit farther and farther each day or week. Mm-hmm. And as you watch them progress, they're coming home faster and faster. You keep taking them out farther and farther. Right. 
And till you know, uh, to answer your question, a pigeon race could be 100 miles. We have some, and we have some that are up to 500 miles. Man, and how do they know to go that distance away or, you know, half the distance away and come back? Is that what they do? They go, they go somewhere and then they come back? Is that what it is? They're put on a truck. The truck takes them out to, okay. you know, like you typically have a club or something. Gotcha. And they're put on this truck and the truck liberates them all at, at one time. Gotcha. And uh, they just, there's been a lot of discussion about how pigeons navigate. And, and uh, one of the discussions that I've heard is about the magnetic uh, whatever that comes off of the earth. Right. And they follow the magnetic deal. There's been all kinds of discussions, but I don't know that anybody has 100% figured out how pigeons find their way home. Huh. Interesting. It's like salmon. You know, salmon, you know, they come back to where they were born after they go out to the ocean, which is pretty crazy, too. Yeah, it's a similar kind of deal. So you wonder how it yeah. is that they navigate, and we're we're only thinking that it could be the magnetic uh, waves that come off of the uh, Earth's atmosphere or the Earth. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is what we noticed is we started having a lot of losses, meaning pigeons not returning, Right. Uh, when they started putting up the 5G uh, cell phone towers. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, there's a, there's a belief that those signals, I'm, I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail, <laughs> but there's, there's a belief that those signals may be interfering with the pigeons' navigation system. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that, well, it kind of makes sense. You know, you, ne- you never know. Well, yeah, I mean, especially when you don't know what the heck's going on, you know, and all yeah. of a sudden something changes and now they're not coming back. The, the other problem that we have here, and it's a tremendous problem, uh, is our pigeons are attacked by hawks, cooper oh, yeah. hawks and, right. and red-tailed hawks. Yes, yeah. And yeah. the amazing, and, you know, I just got attacked, our loft got attacked the other day, and uh, basically the hawks are uh, snipers. They wait in the tree. Because they can't catch the pigeons typically up in the air. Right. When the pigeon has landed, they are like dive bombers. Right. And so they'll sit in the tree, and then they will accelerate from wherever it is in the tree at a rapid rate of speed and grab that pigeon before he even knows what's happening. Man. That's crazy. One of the pitfalls of the game, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, getting bucked off your horse. Yeah, well, you, you, you wouldn't want to have a, a hawk take out that uh, million-dollar pigeon. <laughs> no, well, the the million dollar pigeon is for breeding purposes. You oh, can okay, be assured gotcha. he's, he's 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 not going to see yeah. the outside world not on his own anyway. Yeah, he's going to be on a string. <laughs> yeah, but it's huge. Pigeon racing is huge in Belgium and the Netherlands, and I mean it's it's really a huge sport, which you wouldn't think because nobody ever when I tell pigeon that I'm involved with pigeon racing, I tell people and, yeah. and they go, "What's pigeon racing?" Right. Right. <laughs> That's crazy. Are are you doing are you doing any more building or development land development or anything or Well, you know, I did that last project right. and uh right now I'm kind of laying low. Yeah. Uh you know, one of the the benefits of getting a little bit older is you get a little wiser. Yeah. And, hopefully, and, hopefully, yeah. Well, not the guys that steal our cattle, but I mean, you right. know, right? <laughs> you know, they start at a young age and they continue. Um, 
Not right now. I'm just kind of laying low and watching what's happening. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've experienced this where they start, the Fed starts raising the interest rates, right. and then, you know, pretty soon people can't afford to buy the things that they could afford to before. Right, exactly. Along with all of this inflation and the, you know, the unrest in the world right now, yeah. and, you know, people feeling insecure about, you know, are we living in a banana republic or yeah. do we live in the United States, you know? Well, there's a zoo at the White House right now. Uh, you know, I mean, Biden is a he's just nothing but a little stick figure. And, you know, I think Obama's probably I mean, that's just my opinion. I think Obama's probably running stuff. But uh, who knows? There's there's a who whole, knows, you know, there's a there, lot of wealthy people out there that wield an incredible amount of power with their wealth. Yeah, exactly. In fact, it reminds me of a. Uh, uh, I just gave the. I, I, I remember watching this film a long time ago, and uh, I got the DVD off of Amazon. I gave it to Mo for some ideas, but the film was called The Magic Christian mm -hmm. with Peter Sellers and uh, Ringo Starr. And basically, huh. the film was about what people will do for money. Oh, right. Yes. Do you, you remember seeing that at all? No, no I, 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 I haven't seen it, but. When you just said what people will do for money, it's it's just amazing. There's that other show that's on, um, I can't remember if it's on Netflix or Prime, Amazon, but it was about um, just super wealthy people and and then some of them that like lose their money and, and, and whatever, but it's like they're just never satisfied. It's like the the Bernie Madoffs, you know, he, he had a legitimate, you know, uh, financial company, but then they just lose their mind and then they just start going rogue when they never really even had to at all. But it's just uh, enough is never enough. You know, no, this, um, this is true. And yeah. and uh, in this film, uh, they illustrate, you know, they have several scenes. And one of the scenes that I remember is a, a police officer pulls them over. And uh, it's, they have a dialogue, you know, and the officer right. tells him he was speeding or whatever. And uh, one of the I don't whether remember whether it was Ringo Starr or uh, Fellers said, uh, hey, if I give you some money, will you eat this ticket? <laughs> <laughs> the next scene is a cop chewing on the ticket <laughs> and it just goes on with a bunch of illustrations but with the final illustration the final scene in the in the film is peter sellos and ringo Starr. they get a big like uh swimming pool kind of pond and they yeah. fill it with raw sewage oh, God. all the way up to the top i was disgusting and they throw money in in this uh pond or pool yeah. And you see all these elegantly dressed people stepping into the pond, walking around, picking up the money. I mean, yeah. they're in, you know, suits and ties and, you know, furs yeah. and what have you. Yeah, well, it paints, so, it paints, a, it paints a picture, though, of, of the reality for the way some people think and, and what they'll do. They'll, they'll do anything. <laughs> well, yeah, and I, you know, I, I'm not saying there's any conspiracies going on, but no. I, I just feel like there's a lot of wealthy people here that are manipulating the system. To yeah. their what they think is their benefit, and yeah. for reasons that I don't know or understand. Yeah, well, I, I think there is conspiracies going on myself, and uh, you know, I, I believe that that there's a, a group that is trying to get the you know the whole new world order thing, and and they're trying to stamp out the United States, but it's not it's not going to happen. Where I think we're going to see a big turn back, and uh, hopefully, hopefully somehow we, you know we can gain control of the government, which is us again. You know the Pelosi's and in the, you know, water uh, Maxine Waters and the Diane Feinstein's. They're, they're you know they're 
I don't know how they can live much longer, to tell you the truth. I mean, they got them pumped full of propylene glycol. I, I don't know what, what the deal is. But, <laughs> My wife said the same thing, by yeah, the way. <laughs> it, yeah, it's just like, they're, they're, they're just, it's just ridiculous, you know. I've I, uh, got an engineer that I work with down here, uh, and they, he does some big government projects, and uh, big. And he, t- he told me, he goes, yeah, he goes, you know, Pelosi's husband, he gets a commission off almost every uh, land deal that the government does. These government projects and he and he doesn't have a thing to do with it yeah it's, it's it, yeah it's anyway i have no problem talking shit about any of them though because <laughs> I, I, well you know i i believe that there is a silent majority that oh, are exactly. just not speaking up and if you if you notice on if you look on facebook or anything else mm-hmm. or you don't see a lot of comments about politics anymore i think people are just fed up and they're just waiting for the november election right well, you know, uh, Mike Glover, who is uh, he's an ex special forces guy who's 20 years, worked for CIA and stuff, and it, just a total legit badass. He's got a company called Fieldcraft Survival. Um, I'll have to send you the, the the video he did on Instagram, but the FBI and, and he's he, he's he's done like he says in there, he's he's he knows every tactic and every every thing that they practice, you know, is deep inside the government as you can get, but they listed his uh, company as a, a terrorist group. And he freaking went off uh, for 25 minutes. And he talked about just what you said. He said, you know, and he's talking to the government. I mean, it's the, the, the way he was doing it. It was just, I'm just thinking like, holy shit. But he says, there is a silent majority of guys. that are a lot like him. And, Anyway, you'll have to just saw, see the video, but it's it's very compelling, and it just shows, you know, that with especially with all the the guys we have, uh, you know, true patriots that are you know running for office, and and you know, uh, guys that don't want to be in politics, but people are just sick of the shit because we, you know, people that want to run businesses and live their lives, they don't want to deal in in that, but that's how the government has gotten out of control, and how they, you know, they get everything and do everything for themselves. And it's fucked the rest of us. And uh, people are just sick of it, like you said. And 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 I, I think the tide will change. Yeah, I, I and I agree with you. I just don't think they're verbalizing it or posting it on Facebook right. or, you know, they don't want to be hassled by other people or, or right. whatever. But I just think they're sitting back and or they don't want to go to Facebook jail, you know, because right. they said the truth. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Well, like what Mike said in that video too, he goes, he goes, the reason I'm not getting a shadow banned or whatever he goes, cause he's got someone, he said it right on there. He goes, I've got someone inside of Facebook, you know? And, uh, I, I just think it's serious enough where in, in all this other stuff with this gender shit and, you know, I, I have no problem talking about it and condemning it because it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it, you know, there, we've got, we've got 0.00001% of the population that the, uh, media and, uh, you know, basically the, the, the media panders to and, and then, and then in the government and, and they're, they're losing their grip with even, I mean, you just look at the Hispanic population, you know, uh, uh, there, that one gal just won down in Texas. Um, I can't remember her name right now, but, uh, you know, um, she, you know, used to be a Democrat or whatever, but she'd never run for office before, but she ran as a Republican and won. And, uh, they, they just, they're, they're just, they just lost their minds with, I, I don't know what they're doing, but they're trying to just, you know, rub out America and, and, People are sick of it. So anyway, I'll get, oh, off, I can my, tell you one I'll thing. get off my pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. 
uh, Washington and uh, D.C. and uh, New York are not real happy about our governor busing uh, oh, I know. illegals. I, I know. Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah. yeah. DeSantis did the same thing out of Florida, too. And, and it's, it's like, yeah, it's just so stupid, man. But, yeah, I, I heard that people from Arizona are also busing people over there. Yes. Yep. Yep. So, and they're complaining. They want to call in the National Guard and, you know, protect <laughs> them over there. But they don't seem to be real concerned while we're getting invaded in Texas. I know. I, it's just so crazy. I, I tell you what, I would just love, I would love to see, see Trump uh, run again and win. And what they're doing to him right now is just, it's laughable, you know. Pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. I never thought in my lifetime I would see what's going on in the country yeah. with what's going on now. You know, yeah. uh, the other day my wife was going to have some documents uh, signed, and the notaries, you know, the notary has a little jurad down below that says, you know, I saw them and so on. Right. And it said, uh, I, we, he, she, oh, they. Yeah. And my, my wife refused to sign it. She said, I'm I not... I, I don't, you're I don't have blame to, her. Yeah, you're going to have to determine what sex I am, and you're going to have to correct this, because yeah. I'm not signing it. Yeah. I'm not a we, or and I'm not a he, and I'm not a she, and, you know, yeah. I'm an on and on. Yeah. Yeah, I, all I had to say to that is, fuck that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, seriously, it's just like, it's it's just so laughable and such a joke that, um, you know, and, and we could go off down a rabbit hole on this. It's It's just like the whole thing of, uh, toxic mas masculinity and trying to demasculinize men. They've been doing it for a long time and, and uh, it, it's over for them now, you know? Um, and cause even, even myself, I would, you would think, okay, well, you got to do this, you got to do that. And, and, and pretty soon, then what are you, you're, you know, you're just a fucking pussy. That's all I can say, you know, and, and, and <laughs> nothing like saying that on the air, dad. <laughs> no, yeah. I, well, I don't, I don't, I don't care. That's just the thing. I, you know, it's like we, we walk around on eggshells around all these people, you know, trying not to offend them. And um, what's that, that one representative uh, Gates or whatever his name is. He, he said, I can't remember what it was he said the other day, but they were interviewing him and, and uh, it was about the same type, type of stuff we're talking about, you know, gender shaming or whatever the hell it was. And, and, and the, it, they asked him, well, aren't you, what if, you know, don't, aren't you afraid you're going to offend him? Uh, you know, and he goes, <laughs> you know, no, be offended. Just be offended in the story. You know what I mean? It's like, anyway, you could tell I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll get going on this. So <laughs> we, better change, we better change directions. <laughs> hey, let me ask you, are you still building? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Building. Uh, yeah. Last time we talked, you had bought seven, several lots, and you yep. were building houses. And I saw on Facebook one had sold that I yep. know of, and maybe more. Yeah, well, the other one we're building right now, we're actually going to move into that one, and uh, um, so, and then we've got our other ones that are that are ready to build. Steph's uh, getting ready to list those right now, so we're listing some of them uh, that uh, I have plans that are completed and they're uh, approved by the, by the town Wickenburg and. Uh, permits are just sitting there. So we're going to list those as, uh, you know, lot purchase and ready to build. Um, and, uh, and then we've just, yeah, so we've got, we got all those, you know, in the pipeline and going, but we decided that, uh, we've, uh, just, we, we just need to live closer, you know, and cause we were actually, we're, we're, we're buying a condo also down here in, in Ocotillo. Um, they, I, we, when we got it back in, I think 20, 
21 June, I think. But anyway, they're, you know, with supply chains and everything else, they, they having problems getting them done. So it's probably not going to be done until next year, but we're probably not going to move into it. We may just keep it for an Airbnb or whatever, but um, anyway, yeah. So um, yeah, the, the first house that we sold a little gal that bought it, she's uh, her family's there. They're uh, uh, I think they're out of Montana, I believe. I can't remember, but, uh, and she's a, a cowgirl. She does mounted shooting and stuff and a lot of the things. So it, it worked out really good. And, um, yeah, so we're looking forward to it. We're also uh, working with the town because we want to build some apartments up there and some affordable housing. So, um, I met the mayor when I was at, uh, NRS, when I was managing the NRS and, and, uh, just created a relationship with him. And he also owns a, oh, a, um, security company in town and, uh, tech kind of tech company and, and um so uh there's a foundation they're called the wellick foundation uh, they uh left a lot of property and money to the to the town of wickenburg we've actually we've actually spoke with them um they have some property that uh, you know we're we're looking at you know hopefully maybe doing something with them with so yeah so we're you know we're up there in wickenburg to you know build and and develop and and, and give back to the town as well we we give money back for every every project that we that we complete. That's we gave, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. We gave money to the athletic department there at uh, Wickenburg high school when we sold that one house. And then the other thing we're doing right now too, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Steph did, she uh, redid flipped a couple mobile homes. And uh, one of the guys we had working on the mobile homes mentioned that there's a guy in Wickenburg ranch, which is a big trilogy development. It's beautiful, beautiful development out there in Wickenburg. Um, she mentioned something about, Hey, the guy wants to build a garage out there. And he was telling one of the guys and the guy said, well, I, I can't build it. I go, well, what's, what's he got? What's he want to do? Anyway, it ends up, it's 1400 square foot garage with a casita in it. And uh, so I said, well, I'll, I'll take a look at it for him. So anyway, long story short, we're building that for him, uh, which was, you know, almost, almost the size of a you know, house, 1400 square foot. And, uh, wow. and then uh, now we're going to build one for the guy across the street. Uh, Shea homes and Dorn are the builders, the main builders in there. But uh you know, we can come in as a, as a small builder and, and, you know, beat their pricing by, by far. And, and we do great work. I mean, I'll tell you this and I'll brag a little bit. Um, a guy called us because he was, uh, off our sign, um, at Hermosa ranch where we have six of our lots, um, and we're building our, our house. And he said, Hey, he goes, I got your number from the building inspector in town. And, um, and I go, well, that's great. He goes, yeah. He goes, I asked him who in town here, builds you know good quality homes and uh he goes well there's this new company up here you know pds properties you know dan and stephanie and anyway so the the, the building and there's only one inspector in town and it's kevin bruce is the guy and uh out of all the builders and everybody that's up there he told this guy to call us so i i, I took that as you know quite a, a compliment because we're very particular on how we build and what we do you know um and uh yeah, we so anyway, to answer your That's question. An honor, Dan. Yeah, yeah. To answer your question, yeah, we're we're still building and stuff and and it, it's it's kind of a different market in Wickerburg too. You know, there's a lot of people from all over, you know, um different areas. People come here and they have money and you know, obviously and lots of ropers, ranchers and stuff, and people look for maybe second homes or whatever. So speaking yeah. of roping, I know you're more involved with it and I haven't been involved now for several times. What's happening with the roping industry? It's it's Here. still it's, it's still huge, it's huge up here. They just they just had a a, a rope in um, Rancho Rio. Um, gosh, they had you know 
it was, you know, and it wasn't even, it wasn't, it was the middle of summer and I can't remember they had 850 teams in one and, you know, you know, 900 or so in another one. So it's still just huge. This, this town just explodes up here with ropings and every arena is just, you know, on fire. So it's still, it's still great, you know, really. So there's snowbirds though, right? Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. But what's happening so, now, what we're seeing in Wickenburg is there's a lot of people staying, you know, I mean, the town is, is even from when we, when we got up there in 2019, we've seen such a shift with more people staying through the summer and, and same, even in surprise area here, you know, because it used to be summer hit and oh man, it'd be ghost town, but uh, it's, it's not like that. There's a lot of, a lot of growth and development and, and uh, a lot of people moving there. So. You know, speaking of roping, the the way ropings are held now, and and uh, you know, when I first started roping, you'd go to a roping, and you'd, you'd number one, you'd sit on your horse in the arena, right, <laughs> right, and there there was always always some really good guys like Leo and Reg and those guys, HP, and they would always take your money, but you still kept going anyway, right. You know, <laughs> one day I'm going to beat them. Well, that right. didn't happen. So, but in those days, you went to a, a roping, uh, as I recall, and it was a social event. You visited, and then they would stop the roping partway through and let the wives run barrels. I guess that was just to keep the wives appeased for having to sit <laughs> at, a, at a roping all day. And now, roping has evolved to to where, and, and, you know, where you know you rope at a certain time, so you yeah. go, you rope, and then you leave with your horse. You don't sit around and shoot the breeze with people. And then you go on and do what the other things that you have in your life that you may want to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. go to the lake or do whatever, which is really kind of unique if you, you think about it. I mean, it's changed drastically. Well, it's like you said. I remember uh, roping in, um, oh, gosh, in, in California, in the valley there, uh, and it, it was such an uh, an endurance thing. I can remember roping it <laughs> at two in the morning. You know, you'd be you'd just be waiting, and and uh, they they just have such a better system now on on how you know when you're up and stuff. But uh, I just remember it was just like like an endurance deal. But well, that's true. So now people can instead of you know, let's assume you, you you're a team roper and your wife doesn't care for rodeo or, or roping or anything, you can go do your thing and come yep. back and still have time with your wife or your yep. girlfriend or whatever to do something different yep. in the same day. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's been a tremendous boost to uh, to that. You know, in our pigeon racing, um, it's kind of a complicated situation because the day before the race, you take your pigeons to the clubhouse. And then when the race is over with, you have to go back to the clubhouse to see how you did. Right. And so, you know, a, a race that maybe takes a few hours ends up being a, a longer period of time. You know, right. you've got to go there, you've got to come back, and so on. And they've now pretty much with the pigeon racing, they have... Not all of the clubs are doing it, but they've got a kind of a computer system where you just go once, you drop your pigeons off, and you don't have to come back to see how you did. You can just look online and know how you did in the race. That's cool. Yeah. Technology, man. That's where that's that's where everything's is at, and where it's where it's heading to even more. So. 
Well, I think so, and I, I think that people are looking to get more out of their lives, out of their everyday, you know, uh, yeah, vacation time. Absolutely, yeah. They want to fit more in in the day, and I mean, there's only so many hours of daylight, and I mean, you, you need to have some sleep. Yep. But yep. Uh, I think that the, the evolution of team roping has just been fabulous. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And it, it's it's just, you know, more evident up here, uh, you know, in Wickenburg, I mean, it's just, it's really, it's really uh, a, a sight to see, you know, uh, in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the season and with just everybody in town and just uh, every, you know, arena is just full. I mean, like R- Rancho Rio, you go out there and I mean, there's trucks and trailers for, I mean, a, a mile and a half or two miles up that, uh, you know, that riverbed. It's just, it's, it's quite a sight to see. It really is. And, oh, and I can imagine. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. It's 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 a lot of fun. The well, last time I roped was when we were down there in in Texas at NRS at the uh, the Danny Dietz Memorial. And only reason we didn't come this year, I wasn't able to come, was I just uh, you know got over COVID. And then I think you know I, I I had neck surgery too. Like I think six was it six. I weeks didn't ago. know that. Yeah, I had I had neck surgery. I had an anterior cervical disc uh, removal and, and a fusion got a plate and four screws in my neck now, but, uh, but it, it went really well, but anyway, that's with the COVID and, and that's that, that kind of came to fruition out of the COVID deal. It's an underlying problem I had that, you know, got exacerbated there, but anyway, yeah. So we would have, we would have been down there again. And, and I, I think, and that's when I saw you, that's when we had dinner the last time Steph and I were yeah. down there for the Danny Deets deal. Yeah. You know, every time uh, through our conversation, when I've heard you use these medical terms and so on, I'm sure that there are a lot of viewers in your audience that have no idea that you're a doctor. No, and you're very, you're you're (laughs) humble about it, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, some of them do, because I I actually uh, one of my episodes uh, a while back, I had one of my um, healthcare guys on. So and we talk about that on there. But yeah, yeah, I, I did that for a few years. Yes. That's for sure. Yeah. You've yeah. given me some good advice about working out too. I don't well, mind telling you. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it, 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 it's come in handy for me because the first, with my, with this neck thing, it affected my arm. I, I lost muscle in my arm and, and a lot of weakness, but I, so I got my MRIs, all my stuff done. I went to this one neurosurgeon and he's like, Oh yeah, you don't need, you don't need surgery, whatever. And and I've read enough MRIs in my life. I've gone, look, I got spinal stenosis. You know, I've got these, all this <laughs> bulges in here. I've got all this disc space or, or, or crush, whatever. And I go, and also, you know, just the classic, I mean, in, in you're in, like, this is a neurosurgeon, mind you. And so you do something that's called, you know, reflex test, you know, your deep tendon reflex and okay. My deep tendon reflex is gone. My muscles atrophied. And my muscle strength is uh, like one over five, you know, and my other arm is five over five. Uh, so, and he thinks, thinks I doesn't need, don't need surgery. Well, and finally <laughs> I went to, got to another guy because I knew I did got to another guy and he goes, yeah, we should have done surgery on you, you know, yesterday. So, and it ends up, I've just very fortunate and, you know, in the surgeries they do nowadays too, are so uh, they're relatively non-invasive, even though this, they go in through the front of your neck with this one, they push your, you know, your uh, esophagus and your trachea aside, and then all of the paraspinal musculature gets pushed aside. Um, so my throat was really one of the sorest things for um, that, that hurt the worst just from pushing all that anatomy around. But uh, 
other than that, it, it really improved a lot of things in my, my neck on both sides, my upper back. Uh, so yeah, all in all, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased, really pleased. with. Oh, it. that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. That's really wonderful. I'm happy for you. I, you know, I, but like I said, most people don't really realize you're a doctor. You just, you're so humble about it. You really are. Well, yeah. All the years I've known you, you just kind of downplay it. Well, I, I, I don't know. It could because the, the, I think the thing is, it's just like, it's just like, you know, people look at a neurosurgeon and you think, oh man, that guy's really smart. Well, he ain't no smarter than some plumbers. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, dude, you, you, you can't look at this and figure it out. So it's like, you know, you don't want to hold, hold something in too high esteem. It's like, and, and what's really great now is I've got such a great group of doctors because of all the other, you know, my genetic disorder and stuff with the iron overload. I've got a great group of guys, a lot of younger guys that are just, uh, you know, they're just, they're, they're tapped in and uh, to, you know, what's going on nowadays. And they know about Google. I mean, <clears throat> you know, if, if, if you want to learn something or know something, you can Google it and figure it out. And, uh, anyway. boy, that's the uh, truth. You know, you mentioned holding people in, in high esteem and so on. And a lot of people don't realize, <laughs> and this is something that I've learned over my lifetime. Uh, sometimes you're the windshield and sometimes you're the bug. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> just <clears throat> that's depends for sure. on where you are in life and the fact that you might be uh, the windshield one day, you could be the bug the next day. So there's no point in trying yeah. to impress people whether you yeah. know who you are or what you've got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and, and I, you know, I, I've, yeah. And I've learned too, you know, it, it's, it used to be, uh, you know, how, how many things can I get gather? How much can I get, you know, and, and when you realize that for me anyway, you get a bunch of stuff that you then you don't even really use it, you know, and it's even like it's something as simple as, as clothing and, you know, in boots and stuff. Uh, it, it's like, which ones do you really wear all the time? You know, and which ones sit in the closet and take up space, you know, and, and I, I don't know, I've uh, yeah. become, become more of a minimalist, I think. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people are, don't, yeah. uh, don't think you're alone. I think yeah. a lot of people are and, and they're, they're seeing a lot of the possessions that they have as just being stuff. Exactly. Like it's just stuff, and I don't need it. You yeah. know, like I just, I've had it. I don't want it. I don't yep. need it anymore. And it's an obligation that I don't want. Yep. Yep. Well, it's like Steph and I. We we only had we only had one car here for uh for a while. You know, and uh, and we were talking about yeah. Remember when you know we had like six cars in the driveway, and it, you know it's just like it's it's nuts. You know, we got two cars now, Much. but but yeah. we just didn't care. We you know because we're together twenty four seven anyway. And uh, so, anyway, you guys, you guys have a wonderful relationship. I mean, to be able to be in business together, husband and wife, I always admire uh, folks that can can do that together because it's strained. And then you know, you oh. go home, you've got your personal life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 we work out of the home, so we're you know we're I mean we're together a lot. But yeah, it's if it wasn't for her, I mean she she's she's the glue that holds the whole thing together. She keeps me accountable and. And, uh, yeah, me on my own, dude, I'd, I'd be a train wreck. So you know, it's just, it's a, it's a con it's a, it, it, and you know, and you know, Stephanie too. I mean, she's, she's an abs. I mean, she's an absolute angel. She really is. And, uh, but yeah, but I appreciate that, man. We, we've been together 35 years and, uh, you know, we still work at it constantly, <laughs> you know, well, it's an evolving, 
it's always an evolving process yeah. and working at it and so on. It's an evolving process, that's for sure. I think a lot of people give up too early. Yes, I think so too. It's too easy and, to. It's too easy to give up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, Mitch, man, hey, man, we've just been jabbering on. We're we're going, we're going, we're over an hour now. So, oh my gosh. Hey, Dan, if I could just mention one thing about sure, absolutely. pigeon racing. Yes. If you've got any listeners in the greater Dallas Fort Worth area that are interested in pigeon racing okay. and, and they'd like to learn more, they could call our race secretary, whose name is Steve Troyer, T R O Y E R. And his telephone number is area code 817. 817- Seven zero seven eight two six eight, and uh, he's very helpful. And uh, you know, if somebody wants to get started in pigeon racing, he's just a wonderful, wonderful person, and there to help. Yeah, very cool. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes as well, very so good. It'll, it'll be listed and put on the website too. Take care, well, man, my friend. Yeah, hey man, it was it was great having you on. I, it, it, it was great having you on for the two hundredth episode. Uh, Steph and I were just talking again about, you know, come, come back down to Texas. So we're going to have to come down and go to Zeno's again. Attack. Us. Absolutely. Zeno's on the square, you and yeah. I, and we'll have a tomahawk steak for you sitting aside. Absolutely. All <laughs> right, Mitch. Hey man, thanks again. And then Take we'll, care. Uh, we'll get together soon. Hey, thank you. We appreciate it. You bet. Bye-bye. Every Friday afternoon, I hit you up the trailer. Saddle up old rock. And I sit down a cooler, I drive that old back road until it ends at the rope and pin. We got them rusted out pickups and fancy rigs, twenty thousand dollar horses. Then there's my own stick. Although we're all the same, the minute we ride in to the rope and pin. can tell someday I just might be we'll turn a few steers and we'll tell a few lies kick back in the saddle and philosophize most of life's problems yeah we're gonna solve them down at the roping pen Yeah, we don't do it for the money Yeah, we're always broke Just ask Clint what he paid a rope Now he's lost a dozen wives Half the fingers on his hands To the rope and pin And it takes a little skill And a little luck If you can talk smack You can back it up Oh, but we're all friends no matter who wins, down at the rope and pin. Well, I ain't no player speed. But I give her hell, hey, you never can tell. Someday I just might be. We'll turn another pin of steers, tell a few more lies. Drink another beer 
hypothesize most of life's problems. By God, we're gonna solve them down at the Roman Pen. We'll see y'all again next weekend down at the Roman Pen. Down.